0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to bands about what they've got up to between going on tours, between making records. And today I'm squeezing in an episode with Norman Blake of Teenage Fan Club. They've just released a new track I Left a Light On and they're on tour across the UK and Europe over the next couple of weeks. So that's why I'm squeezing in. An episode now. I've not edited it at all, which is the first for 101 part-time jobs. If there's any dodgy bits, I do apologize. All the same, it is Norman Blake, so who really minds? Cheers for listening to 101 part-time jobs. This is Norman Blake of Teenage Fan Club. Cheers.
1: We watched it crash
0: not at all. Thank you so much for, for doing this the morning after the Glasgow show.
1: Oh, no problem at all. Now, Jones, would you mind if about, I make a bit of noise for about 30 seconds while I, my, my fo- I'm sitting at my folks' place here and they've got a bean-to-cup coffee machine <laughs> and uh, it makes a lot of noise. But if of you can course. bear with me for 30 seconds, I can get myself a coffee. Absolutely. Coffee okay, away. So, okay, no, no worries. Uh, I'll just spend a <laughs> second here. And and you, can, you can hear the, the, the it's very, very loud. It is great <laughs> coffee. I'll say that, but it's um, here we go. It's the preparation there. And you'll hear the beans being ground any second. There you go.
0: <laughs> Very good.
1: Beans being ground.
0: <laughs> Those blades sound quite sharp.
1: Oh, yeah they, yeah. they get a lot of use, i tell you that. But, um, hang on, so There it goes. Whoa. Coffee being generated. Uh, and uh, you know, it takes another 10, 15 seconds and we should be in good order.
0: Is it a, uh, uh, is it a button press? <laughs> is it going to do it for you?
1: It does everything for you, yeah, you just kind of you dial in the strength of the coffee and the volume that you want, you know, and the, it organizes it all for you.
0: Uh, wow. Oh, yeah, really
1: nice. Pretty good machine, uh, something my folks invested
0: in, so. Do you, is it an espresso uh, that you're taking? What, is it a long black?
1: You no, know, it's it's a long, yeah, it's a long black, yeah, it's that one of those, um, and it does espresso though, it does, you know, you can, it does all sorts of stuff. It's got frother yeah. and everything too, so it's, it's a pretty sophisticated machine. But, there we are. but now it's not going to stop. And there we are. And I've got my coffee. <laughs> Brilliant. So, all, all good. All good. How, how's the um, microphone from this end? I'm only using the phone mic. Is it okay? Absolutely fine enough. Oh, great. Definitely. Good
0: stuff. Yeah. You know, I like making my coffee the night before, putting it in the fridge. Um, and then cold coffee is my favorite in the morning.
1: Oh, that's not. I like it too, actually. Yeah, I could definitely go for that. It's like a splash um, of yeah. water in the face. Yeah, or you can't be. I tell you what, it's, it's very important when you're on tour. I've actually, um, I've got one. <laughs> we've got a an espresso machine arriving this morning, uh, here. I'm in charge of uh, the and coffee on the tour, so I've invested in one of those so that we can always have at least a, a decent espresso where, when we're travelling around. Well, it's a communal um, experience, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you've got to. I mean, it's, it's very important. We didn't have any at the venue yesterday, and I could tell that everyone was disappointed <laughs> or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so that's all going to happen. Today is a kind of day off. Uh, and then we're off to Sheffield tomorrow. Last night was great fun, actually. It was really good to get out on tour again, um, yeah. to be started again. But um, so today is the day that we can organise. We're going to be away for five weeks. I've got to organise all the clothes and, you know, wow. the, the stuff that I'm taking with me and five, the coffee.
0: Five weeks. What was the yeah, longest? The what was lo- the longest tour you did? Do you think?
1: Oh, we, we've been out for a, a couple of months, two and a half months before, but this is the longest one we've done in a while. Yeah, you know, because of the pandemic, we've been unable to do anything really other than, a few, and when this album came out last year, Endless Arcade, we um, we did like four or five shows around the release, but that was all we could do because of uh, the mm-hmm. situation, you know. <laughs> so this, mm-hmm. so we, now we can actually get out there and properly tour the album a year later than we should have done, but at least we're getting to do it, you know.
0: Do you have a bit of like a, a like a personal journey when, when, you're, when you're going away for over a couple of weeks? I mean, where it'll be maybe the first week or two go, you know, quickly or slowly, and then you kind of get into a rhythm. Is, is there a kind of
1: Yeah, no, for sure you do. There? Yeah, you do. Actually, it's really, I, mean, I really enjoy it. You know, you, you do get into that kind of rhythm and the routine of, of, of you know, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, you know, sound checking, performance, yeah. Back to the hotel, maybe go for a, a drink somewhere or whatever, then you know, up mm-hmm. the next morning, breakfast, yeah. drive to the next venue. But but you know, um um I, I do enjoy it, you know, and you're getting to you know um visit interesting places, you know. We we're going all over the UK and Europe on this tour, so we'll be in lots of nice cities. So I think mm-hmm. now I like to maybe try and get out and explore a little bit, you know. For example, um uh, when we're in London, I want to go and see the um on I've forgotten his name, uh um, he builds these autom- uh, automatons. Um, uh, these, so I think, it's called novelty devices. Is the, the place, um, and he's got all these amazing machines. Uh, the Tim, Tim. Oh, I forgot his second name. It's a bit early. I, yeah, I, yeah. I remembered well, But anyway, uh, so I want to go and vi- visit that. He has a, a you know, a, a sh- sort of sh- shop where the, these machines are on display, and I want right. to go and have a look at that this time. So that's. So I sometimes try to writing little things in my diary that I'm going to try and do. So, if I could give you yeah, a I mean, tip, I really,
0: there, there's a place in Rotherhigh, which is just right. uh, just south of the river um, on, on sort of one of the overground lines. So, you know, sort of central London, basically still in zone one, yeah. but just, just south of the river. And uh, it's the, the Brunel Museum and it's less of a museum oh, yeah. and a sort of cavernous place. Have you heard of it?
1: You know, I haven't actually, but that—that's—that seems like something that I would love to go and see. You know, the thing that
0: really captured our imagination was the. This was the sort of uh, one of the first sort of trailblazers, people to sort of dig beneath uh, a river for a tunnel, and 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 the kind of method that he used is what a worm does, which is kind of go down and uses its waste excrement and kind of use that as a supporting. You know, a supporting barrel to, to carry on going through. So that's what yeah, they did, incredible. building beneath the Thames.
1: I love that. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. So you know, yeah, that, one, so that that should definitely help. See if I can get go and see that as well. <laughs> but um, but no, you do you do get into a routine, and it's and you also I think there's a thing that I really enjoy. You know, so last night, you know, it was really a lot of fun, but you're kind of still really thinking about what you're doing. There are certain songs where you're kind of you know you're kind of trying to anticipate what the next chord is because sometimes you're kind of not quite sure you know or what the next line is but you what? get um after three or four days on the road you start you get to this point where um you know um muscle memory kicks in mm-hmm. and um you can be sort of so you, you know you're just really not thinking about the performance part of it at all and you can really i don't know i sometimes find myself looking around the venue and i'll look up and think to myself that's a really unusual light fitting over there while i'm singing and performing you know because you can get which I, and i really like when you get to that that that, that stage because you're you usually means that you're playing really well you know what so do they call it days. Do they call it uh
0: hand head or mind head mind hand when you're sort of looking at your hand and you're like i've done this a hundred times but
1: for some yeah. reason
0: it looks different or it feels different
1: yeah it, it sure it does and it but like at the start of a tour you kind of you're, you're, there's still a bit of confusion there. You sometimes think, well, what, where do I go next? You, all, <laughs> you tend to always get there, you know, but yeah, you can yeah. you find yourself looking at your hands yeah. and thinking, okay, where, where's that going now? Oh, yep, yeah, there it yeah. is. And your yeah. fingers will just go to the court. So, but anyway, that's it's all good. You know, it's all really Brilliant. good fun. It's just great to be able to, you know, be out touring again.
0: Brilliant. And this is the podcast about jobs that the bands yeah. do. You know, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the groups I speak to uh, in that period of, you know, they've done a couple of tours, they've, they maybe got an agent, or you know, they've started touring more regularly, and it's that yeah. sort of that tipping point of, uh, you know, where the where the where the music sort of overtakes the other work. You know, where that would be yeah, sure. know, um, a paye yeah. sort of job. Um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. I'm never going to waste up, you know, an opportunity to to interview, you know, you or you know, bands who've been going a long time. And and I think what yeah. I've real what I've realized is that you know. Th- it, it, or at least what I've gleaned is that it never just gets to a point where it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it, it, there's, there's always kind of new work. There's always something new. There's always a kind of new way to look at um, what you're doing,
1: you know? Yeah, sure. Is that true? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, in terms of being creative musically or what you, what you do um, or like a regular, that- like
0: a re- like a regular, you know, like this. The, we play music and 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 we and we can we can, you know, that's our job now, and that's what. Oh, we Oh yeah, do and yeah. That's that, the primary yeah. focus.
1: Sure, yeah. There comes a moment. I don't think you re- we, you know, you really even notice it, but that you wake up one day and you think, well, oh, actually, this is what I do for a living. This, I can, I can say this is my job. You know, um, although you know, it doesn't feel like a job. Um, um, you know, um, we so people-
0: we're so ingrained as, as an early age. It's like a job is something that.
1: You know, you sort of you shouldn't, you shouldn't enjoy, you should be a slog. And of course, yeah. lots of people really do enjoy their jobs and there's lots of interesting things that, that, that people do. Um, but yeah, I think it's people say to me, well, you know, what are your hobbies outside of the, or your interests outside of the band? And I, I always, when I think about it, I would say, well, I like guitars, you know, and I like buying records and, you know, and I like listening to so all my hobbies and uh, things that I outside of, things I enjoy outside of being in the band are musical. Things you know, things that are related to being in a band. Mm-hmm. So it is a dream job in that sense, um, and it doesn't feel like a job, although it is a job. You know, you are you're away from home for a, for large periods of time. Uh, you know, it's there is work involved in rehearsal and you know memorising things and you know um, there's you know so it is work. But um, but like I say, you, we derive a great deal of pleasure from the work that we do, so it's great. Mm. I mean, I suppose the way this what you're doing, you're doing podcasting, and that you know this this is kind of like your job in a way too. I suppose you know, do you know what I mean? Totally. And, uh, and I'm sure you enjoy it. You know, you you know, you're talking to people, and I yeah. don't know whatever you know. It's um so it's, yeah, it's great to do something that you enjoy, you know, and um and yeah, um. Look, but, I mean, look- I've had. Sorry, yeah i've had i've had various jobs in the past but nothing um because i think when the, we the band uh had some success when we were pretty young i mean the, i started touring actually when i was um about 21 i you know which maybe isn't that young these days but you know in terms of bands but um i w- i had I, w- I was working at the ymca in Hill and i had uh I think my dole money was going to get stopped and I had to, you know, you had to, you know, I can't remember what the scheme was called, but you had to sort of go and pick one of these jobs. I ended up working with the YMCA uh, and the, and it was, it was interesting. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't a Christian. It was just that, you know, they, um, they had the sort of community workers, a group of community workers there and I was there. So working with uh, people with um, learning disabilities and, 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 and and I mean, really, all sorts of things—outreach things uh, for working with elderly people in the community and um, uh, p- jobs that I probably wasn't even qualified for. You know, going into old people's homes and um, making sure that they, you know, maybe they've a dodgy sort of plug, and so you know, or you know, wall outlet plug socket or whatever, and you know, fixing that kind of, you know, fixing those kind of things for people are probably. I mean, I wasn't an electrician, so I wasn't qualified to do that. But it's all just kind of random sort of stuff like that. But at the same time, uh, it allowed me to go and, you know, play with the bands. And I went on tour at at the age of 21 with the Pastels. Um, That was the first sort of touring experience I had. And then after that, I didn't really work any jobs other than, you know, being in the band because Teenage Fan Club happened very soon after that.
0: You were playing guitar in the Pastels or, or, or
1: help, I, helping What them. happened was I, I played bass. Uh, they were touring their Up for a Bit album. And Martin, who played bass, uh, had actually couldn't do the tour because he had to work, you know. Um, he had a job. Um, and so Stephen called me and asked me to if I could step in, uh, yeah. uh, you know, in place of him for the tour, and I did. And it was great fun. We toured um, all over Europe. Uh, and really? it was the first first time I toured anywhere at all. Actually, did you
0: do? you, do you feel like you did? You, you, I mean, did you learn a lot on that tour about how to kind of, you know, do it well and and sort of be organised and you know have fun, but do it in that sense where you're like you know you're looking after yourselves and you're making sure that it's sure. Going yeah, to I learn.
1: mean, I I've certainly learned to have fun. I was 21, so, you know, it was, it was, um, it was uh, you know, and I guess when you're young, it's pretty easy um, doing that kind of thing. You mm. you know, you're, you're pretty happy to rough it or whatever, you know. But, it, I mean, it was actually, it wasn't like that. We had, you know, we always had some, somewhere to stay. You know, it was always accommodation and mm. and touring in Europe too. That was the amazing thing. You show up at venues in, in mainland Europe or whatever, and, they're, you know, you go in for the sound check and there'll be like, you know, coffee, and really nice sandwiches, and which is the kind of thing you never, certainly in the past, you wouldn't get in the UK. I mean, it's kind of changed now, but, um, but you know, there would always be food. And um, so it was a great experience. And plus we were getting to, you know, visit these amazing places that I'd never seen before. Uh, Berlin and, you know, Paris. And just incredible, you know. um, I, I hadn't really been out of the UK at all before that. So uh, in Amsterdam, that was amazing. I remember walking into the Melkveig, The Milky Way, that was the first show we did in in the Netherlands, the first show I'd played in the Netherlands. And we walk in there, I remember, walk through the main entrance and there's this guy, and he sort of looks a bit like Lawrence of Arabia, you know, with the sort of, you know, the the Arab sort of dress, or whatever, traditional dress. He did a really big, big, sort of long, thick beard, and he had a coat hanger on his head, you know, and he was kind of just nicking about there, a bit stoned or whatever, you know, and that was, was Wow. Here we go Amsterdam. Um, but but it was great fun, really, really good fun.
0: Stephen Pastel strikes me as someone who's you know taken their interest and kind of really, you know, made it their their job. Was there yeah. obviously, yeah. you know, there's BMX bandits, there was lots of other bands that you know you you were in and around, and you know, it seemed like a really nice friend group in Bells Hill and and, and yeah. Glasgow. Yeah. Do you do you think you were you were sort of um there was that kind of um, mentality or that enjoyment of trying to make you, you know your art trying to make your music
1: you know, the yeah main, I think the you, main thing yeah de- absolutely that was the, the the main objective it wasn't about you know you would like to be successful you'd like people to hear your music, but it was more about making the music that that was what, was the important thing I think an amazing thing if, and, and, you know, and I know this is about work and jobs uh, is the um and I think this is uh, is great is that stephen pastley you know he's a qualified librarian. That's what he did in the early days of the pastels, you know, um, and he's gone on, you know, and the pastels are obviously still going. They're not, they don't um, put music as often as they did in the past, but they still do. But Stephen now has monorail records and, um, I, and I think that librarian's the perfect person to sort of run a record shop because it's all about cataloging, and you know.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Has there been a, anything so
0: that, that you, you'd want to do? You know, is there any any kind of interest that you'd you'd want to study or or have
1: done at some point over the last? Uh... Well, you know, I suppose um, things that I've done again they're kind of music related things, and the, but they're sort of been hobbies that are, are are sort of hobbies that you could potentially turn into. Uh, you know, something that you can uh, earn a living from. I got into, um, because I couldn't afford um, high-end mic preamps, although I really like high-end mic preamps and microphones, I got into this sort of DIY <coughs> pardon me, um, community. or I have had some interest in that. And I built, um, so there are these forums online where people have done things like they've re- reversed engineered the bus compressor on an SSL desk. Um, which is kind of revered, a revered legendary compressor that, um, you know, people say it's the glue that makes things sound like a record. So I found this, this website and, I, you know, I hadn't really done any electronics at all before this, but um, these people were making PCBs. Rever- they the re- reverse engineered the compressor and you could buy PCBs from them and then you would have to go and source all of the parts, but they have a thing called the BOM, right, which is the Bill of Materials. And they would have a list of those, and then so you would go to these um, uh, electronic wholesalers, uh, buy all the components, and then you would solder them all together. And then uh, they also they, they would have links to places where you could buy you know the, the case to to house the, the you know the uh, your compressor. So I go into that and I built um, two SSL bus compressors. Uh, and I gave one of them actually um, to Chemical Underground, Chem, Chem Nineteen, the studio, um, Chemical Underground studio. And um, Paul Savage uses that I still, I think, to this day, to on records. Um, so I got into that, and I was thinking, yeah, And, so, and you, you, know, you can get into building effects pedals and all sorts of stuff. And I, at one point, I thought, well, that that could be good fun doing that. But, um, but, um, so anyway, I, yeah, I got that's I, I think I got interested in. I suppose I could have potentially turned that into a job. But I didn't.
0: <laughs> I mean, you've you, you sort of self-produced quite a lot of records at this point. Is is yeah. production and like engineering? I mean, obviously, engineering sure. that that side of it. You know what you just said about
1: yeah. I've done a bit of that. What I've made, out you know um, produced a few albums. Uh, it's something I enjoy working with other people. Um, uh, I guess because I have got some experience and working in the studio in terms of, well, I suppose uh, predominantly. You know, recording in the in it's in the very basic sense of you know choosing a good microphone to go with an amplifier and getting a good signal path. But then also, I mean, I tend to think that the band have the best ideas. You know, I've, I think you know, I don't, I'm not really, I don't, I'm not really into the idea of a producer coming in and deconstructing a song. And you know rebuilding it and saying oh yeah you need to have a chorus there you need to have a verse there I think um for writers whatever if they come up with an idea and they like the way it sounds and or whatever and they like the structure then it's right you know yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's lots of fun it's great fun working with creative people and uh, you know um I, you know I, when you don't have to sort of like come up with any lyrics or melodic ideas and you can just kind of help them uh get a good performance or whatever that's a lot it's a lot of fun
0: there's a bit of a a debate now and you know I don't really buy into it I don't really care but there's that debate you know Noel Gallagher is sort of pointing fingers and saying if you're co-writing then you're not really an artist and um, I know
1: sorry yeah well that's you know uh, Brian Wilson and Tony Asher um, wrote God Only Knows I think that that ain't a bad day collaboration there
0: (laughs) absolutely not if it's a good record it's a good record
1: yeah totally it doesn't matter I mean uh, you know it's uh, you know Uh, You do. I mean, I remember uh, being at the Ivor Novello's one year and I think James Blunt, who I've I've known some people who work with James Blunt. He's meant to be a really good guy, actually. But um, uh, he, there was a, I think it was for the, God, what's the big hit that he had? You're beautiful. That exactly that one. Yeah. And I think there were four or five writers on that, but, you
0: know,
1: it was successful and people like it. So, I mean, I'm not going to knock anyone in terms of certainly not any other musicians. You know, it's like um, it's hard enough, you know, uh, (laughs) a a fellow musician slagging you off, you know. um, But I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I think, uh, yeah, whatever. If two people write a song, if five people write a song, it doesn't really matter, does it, you know? No, I think
0: that idea of, of collaboration and not having like a, like a really set in stone lineup seems to make a lot of sense in the kind of, it, it, it seems to make a lot of sense now
1: when, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's an interesting thing actually, the collaboration, because it's funny because, you know, I, you know, I suppose Noel Gallagher writes on his own, Ed Sheeran writes with a team of people. I tend to write more, but I've written with other people in the past, you know, and it's actually, I mean, I can like the idea of doing that, you know. Yeah. Two people sort of knocking their heads together to try and come up with an idea. I've done that a few times myself. And Eros Childs, who plays with the, the teenage fan club now as well, he, we we had an album. Uh, we had a band called Johnny, and we made an album together. And we, you know, quite a few of the songs on there were written collaboratively. We would just sat down. Uh, I think he, Eros was up in Glasgow staying with me, and we. I just sat down with the guitar. He was at the piano, and we just kind of bashed out a lyric, and you know. Um, it was yeah, it was really good fun because I think sometimes you, you can get writer's block working on your own You mm-hmm. sometimes find it difficult to get a lyrical idea that will go with the musical idea that you have. So having someone there who might say, why don't you try that? Um, it's not a bad thing. And in fact, I really, we were talking about this last night. We were um, talking about the Get Back movie, the, the Beatles thing, which is sensationally good. Yeah. But there's a part, um, a point, and I can't re- even remember the song, but they're working on something and Paul McCartney's working out some lyric ideas. Uh, And Mal Evans is sort of chipping in, you know, Uh, and maybe Ringo's chipping in an idea. And, you know, he's not precious about it. He's like, oh, yeah, that's that's good, yeah. And, you know, he's kind of using their suggestions uh, in the lyric I think it's brilliant. It's great. These sort of not precious or uptight about it. You know, you're not saying this is my song, and therefore I've got to write every part of it. And I've, you know, mm-hmm. they're collaborative. They're being collaborative. They are. They're musically collaborative too. It's brilliant. It's great to see. In fact, that, for me, that's the the best thing about making music. I, it's, I love. I really enjoy writing songs. You know, it's it. I it, mean, it, it's difficult to write songs. You know, to get something that you're happy with that you think's sort of cohesive or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you take that song and start working it out with a band, or you know, or with teenage fan club, with the band, um, that's where I, my favourite part of it. Because we, I think maybe in the past when I was younger, I might have uh, been a bit more directorial. You know, I might think of, oh, I've got all this idea in my head and how it should, you know, how this song should, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how, how, we should, how, what the arrangement should be. But mm-hmm. now I like to just take in the song and just I'll play the song and everyone will just play what they feel fits and that usually works best yeah with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
0: details. Of course, teenage fan club has kind of been, uh, you know, uh, you know, all, all, you know, all of you have been sort of songwriters over the years at, at points. It, it, you yeah. Know, from what I've read, um, you know, did you have much pressure as sort of being sort of labelled the front person or the kind of the singer? And
1: have you? Oh well, yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I play guitar and I'm singing a lot of the songs. And so that I, I kind of somehow ended up standing in the middle there, mm. you know, and I ended up, you know, not that we, I'm sort of always talking between songs, but I'd normally be the person that would communicate with the audience. And, and I, I kind of just fell into that role, but we are, we are absolutely, you know, democratic in the in the way that we well, were as, you know, as, as much as possible. I think that yeah. in the way that we, the, you know, we kind of, try to share everything, you know. It's, it is a band of equals in that, in that sense. I think that's why, it, and we've never really had ego issues issues at all. You know, we all all gone pretty well. I don't think we would do it if it was, you know, that's not our style at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you always hear stories about um, Mick Jagger and Keith Richard, uh, Richards being, you know, each other's throats, and we wouldn't function at all well in, in that kind of scenario. We um we like to kind of have a kind of harmonious state, you know, um. So there, are, there's, there's, you know, it's all, it's always pretty easy, you know. And uh, but that, that's just the way that the that this group of individuals uh works. Um, yeah. you know, another, you know, other people will work differently, but this is, to, you know, works for us.
0: It's different for bands now, trying to be on the road all the time. You know, forget about COVID. Before, mm. before COVID, you know, it, because you know, support fees have just stayed at fifty quid, seemingly for the last yeah. fifty years. Yeah um yeah, and, for sure. and, and it seems a lot different and just a, a, a totally kind of you know if you if you want if you've got a record and you've got an independent label behind you and then you've, you know you've got you're lucky enough to meet some people and make some friends in booking agents or other bands that can take you on tour even yes. then making that kind of uh that kind of snakes and ladders up to kind of making playing music <laughs> you're you're kind of more or less full-time thing it's so different
1: um, re- yeah really difficult I tell you what for young bands especially because what you, you, you know it's difficult Well, no one sells records anymore you know other than a very small group of people Ed Sheeran you know people like that mm. <coughs> which is fine but um, but you know um, so you need money to make records okay because you have to get a studio you can You can only do so much at home you need to get in a studio it's going to cost you a few grand doing that but then you, you know you, you put that record out and you kinda, the, the only place to make any money is from touring you know Um, but the problem you have there is that people have to get time off work so trying to coordinate that with four or five people is really difficult you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, plus when you tour you know the fees are okay you know and and when you get to a certain level you can do it reasonably well but if you're a kind of new band your fees won't be that great so you've got to factor in accommodation you know a van you know you've got a tour manager because you need someone to do all of that other stuff for you you know, um, you know, fuel now is going to be an absolute nightmare for people getting around the country because it's going to be really expensive. But then, like I so see, getting time off work and coordinating, that is really difficult. So it's mm-hmm. just getting harder and harder. And then the, the area, another area you can make some money, um, uh, where you can make some money, is merchandise, you know. So that's become a bigger thing. And there's more of a thing where, you you know, people will come off stage and then, you know you have the performance there but then you'll go and you'll meet stand for an hour at the merch table and talk to people and that's just what you have to do now yeah uh, to sort of make the tour work you know um is there an easy solution
0: with the with the because because you because independent venues are, are struggling and presumably yeah. promoters are also kind of going down with that a little bit so just yeah. a- asking those asking for 200 instead of 50 that
1: yeah might, that it's, seems
0: like not even really sort of
1: you, you would think, yeah, you would think so, but promoters are, are really up against it too, especially, uh, you know, post-pandemic or whatever, you know. I mean, it is amazing, though, that people are still coming out to shows though, you know. It's, and that is the, it's the, the public who are making it still work, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think people are conscious that because tickets are a bit more expensive now, merch is more expensive um uh, and uh, probably more expensive than it should be. But the, the reason for that is that it's really just people trying to make their tour work, you know? You just yeah. need to make a bit of extra money somewhere. And people are, through the generosity of people being prepared to accept that and spend a bit more money in the ticket and buy a bit of merch when they're at the show is is why it still kind of works, you know? Um, if the streaming thing can be fixed, you know, if we if people are sort of pre- paid... Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, more in terms of uh, for for each stream or whatever that might help a bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, but beyond that, it's just I think we're just in a situation where it's just difficult, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Are there any moments in your career? Your
1: career? Would you call it your career? Um, I I, I don't think about it as a career, but I suppose it is. It's been thirty some years now, so it's like it's all I've done, you know. And it's um, I suppose it is a job, you know. Um, that's, that's what I've, I've got on my passport, musician. So, um, so I suppose it is a career. But yeah.
0: Are there any moments in that time that really stick out for you? Like any any kind of stories or, or days or scenarios where? I mean,
1: yeah. Sorry, you,
0: no, 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 no. You you go. You know, when, I was just about to say when when you kind of realised, you know, this is you know this is it. Things have you know there has been that shift.
1: Which, I mean, lots of different moments. I suppose we've been lucky in that we've gotten to. For me, highlights have been um, being around the, a couple of phenomenas, really. We were we toured with Nirvana on the European leg of the Nevermind Tour. And it was amazing sort of witnessing that, you know, because you kind of really sense that it was something special. Um, and they were great, you know, and they're really nice people. And it was at, at the very start of their fame, you know, and we sort of got to know them pretty well. Um, and that was exciting to, to witness that and sort of be... Like I said, we were on the periphery of it, um, but mm-hmm. we were still there, you know. And then also uh, we toured with Radiohead in America on the OK Computer tour. We were playing pretty small theatres, oh, and wow. again that was great. And that, that because that album was a, a you know a real phenomena for them as well. I think you know that was yeah. one that took them uh, on a different level. And again, you know the the experience of spending time with them as people, because again they're really good guys. and... The whole thing was really cool. Um, That was great fun, Um, but really, and other than that, you know, meeting musicians around the world, meeting people, going to Japan, you know, going to Australia, visiting, you know, all of these different places that probably it's a fair chance I would never have um, had the opportunity to go to. That's all been amazing. So we've been lucky in that sense. It's great. It's been, and and I think, but ultimately getting to do as your job, the thing that you really enjoy, you know, and uh, that's, that's the best thing about it.
0: Nirvana and Radiohead, you know, two brilliant examples of bands who have just been themselves the whole time. Yeah. Through their records. As a journalist, you know, I've always loved reading, you know, music magazines and, and there's just always, maybe this is a bit cynical, but it, it, it seems that, there, there are tropes, there are those classic tropes where, you know, bands will start off being completely themselves. And then at some point you kind of glean that maybe they're kind of appeasing people around them. You know, maybe they're appeasing their yeah. fans. Maybe it's their label. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's that they think they're doing the, you know, of course you probably think yeah, they're it's doing funny the right that, thing all
1: that, the time. Yeah, it's funny because I always think it should work the other way around. It? And I, I, I did for me, because uh, I think when you're young, you know, no one, no one, no musician or artist that I fully formed, you know, you're initially you're the sum of your influences, you know, mm-hmm. there are things that you like. So when I was young, I liked Sonic Youth and I liked Exile and Main Street and whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, I liked Love, you know, and so the, the music that I was making was informed by those things and more directly than the, um, than the or, or very directly in a way, you know, I would take the kind of shape and form of Sonic Youth and try and, you know marry that to sort of melody melodies that were like the Arthur Arthur Lee's melodies or something like that you know and so everyone does that initially and then after a a while you sort of start to form your own sound you know you have certain things that you do as a group of people you know certain shapes structures you know um, keys whatever you know lyrical ideas and then after a certain amount of time you sort of develop your own sort of sound and that's the thing that's um um that is probably most appealing to people in a way i think idiosyncratic the idiosyncratic nature of that someone like pixies or whatever i mean they're a pretty idiosyncratic band and very influential band you know but they, they kind of arrived at that sound because charles or black francis or whatever had a certain way of writing songs and Kim mm-hmm. stylistically the same way of playing bass and then the, the combination of their, vo- their, their voices created mm-hmm. something too so um so but that's what makes them attractive to people you know the, the, the idiosyncratic thing
0: yeah it's almost like a stubbornness
1: yeah I think and I think if you try to emulate and copy people then people can see through that and, and, it's, yeah. and it's and it's not you really you know so it's um yeah. so it's 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 never quite as good, you know, the sort of pastiche yeah. of uh, another artist, and it can't be satisfying either. I mean, I know some people like to write that way, and um, in, in a plagiaristic way, um, that they might take a, an element of one song and an element from another song, blend those together, and come up with their own thing. But I, I, I you know, I would never in- intentionally do that. I'm sure I've lifted ideas from other people um i mean i can give you an example of that actually there's this song of the verse called everything flows yeah uh and i remember I uh, you know i wrote that a long time ago 30 some years ago and then i remember you know whatever one day listening to glass onion and hearing the line you know the place where everything flows and i thought all oh, right i lifted that from there i no, i was I, I did it subconsciously i had no idea that I'd done that right. but um but you know but you, so that's fine but the idea of going and thinking oh we'll take that first and I'll, I'll take that chorus from this other song and put those together. That to me would be really unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Norman, thanks so much for being up for this. Oh, um, no problem at
1: all. Love no the chat. I love it. Yeah, that- no, no worries. I'll, I'll go off and organise my coffee. I think I still need some more at the moment. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Great. I left the light on, sounds brilliant. And Oh, thanks. We, we played it last night actually for the first time and uh, it was yeah, it was good, good fun playing it, you know. What's it like um, getting behind and- the keys? Well, you know, I didn't do that. Um, Eros is playing keys. And I just, uh, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I wimped out and stuck to the acoustic guitar. Uh, and then we got a friend, Stuart Kidd, come on and played a, melod- we got a Mellotron sort of thing. So he played Mellotron strings. And our, our other friend, John McCusker, who actually played the string part on the recording, he was in Glasgow too. And he came on stage with us too. So there were seven of us on stage. I think that's the most people that we've had on stage at any one time. <laughs> breaking new ground
0: <laughs> brilliant thank you so much and have a have a great tour thanks
1: Joe. it was nice chatting with see you you Me um, too uh, all the best cheers thank you mate Bye-bye. see you.
0: so there was Norman Blake in a wholly unedited episode of 101 Part-Time Jobs you can catch Teenage Fan Club on tour for the rest of the month head to teenagefanclub.com to find all those dates see you later this week with an episode with Cardiff's buzzard 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 see you then I've been working all day for me, mate on the side. Running around like a blue arse fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every blink me, I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder like a the friendless help bow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.